taking a 6-4 lead on a Paul Cornerco Grand Slam in the seventh inning. The Astros tied it up on Bobby Jenks, and then uh, Bradledge blows it in the ninth. Scott Pitsednik, zero home runs all season, comes through with a walk-off home run, and the White Sox take a 2-0 lead. And uh, that's two straight appearances for Bradledge where uh, he surrenders the game-winning home run. He did it to pool holes, and then he didn't pitch in uh, the last game of that series or the first game of this series. And he, he comes in in, uh, in the ninth uh, yesterday and uh, got one guy out on a deep fly ball and then Pudsednik hits the home run to, to right field that. And you could see, uh, I think it was Joe Creedy on the bench, you could, you could actually hear him say, oh, my God, that, no way, no way. And uh, it actually went out. So I guess Brad Lidge gets the honorary Byun Hyun Kim Award for this year's playoffs. And on that note, pretty much is going to wrap it up for us in terms of time here. Special thanks to Charlie Kellett, Ted Pickett, Stephanie Nicholas, Steve Lake, and Tony Not related to Michael Bolton. I'm your host, Dave Bickle, saying good night and go blue. You are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. The sports department would like to thank you for your continued support of University of Michigan Student Radio. Moss knocked over Cambellini, winds up and he scores! Just Cambellini lets a laser go from the near side circle, and the Wolverines take a 1 0 lead off the rocket, off the stick of Jeff Cambellini. I've never seen fog quite this thick before. I mate. And it'd be showing no signs of letting up. We best be getting a radio bearing and see where we are. Mr. Navigator! Triangulate a radio plot immediately. Yes, sir. I'll see all this time. I'll turn this on. talking about. Look at man, the fog. I uh, didn't know where I was. Sure, sure. Tell it to the lieutenant. I'm running a lot of you in. Okay, now get in the line there and we'll get you into the captain and we'll see what he well, uh, good evening, and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And I have seen fog quite that thick. <laughs> it's in Washington, D.C. Boy, and there seems to be no end in sight of the fog. The fog of war, a famous expression of Winston Churchill. Um Obviously, a foggy this, week indeed. Yeah, well, this will be an interesting uh, week uh, regarding the future of Karl Rove and Scooter Libby, as well as uh, Judith Miller. I think she's already uh, tied her wagon to the sinking ship. She's toast. She's a little bit like that uh, 
parrot that they found in England recently with the avian flu. <laughs> this parrot. It's an ex-parrot. It's expired. It is an ex-parrot. Yes. Not pining for the fjords. But of course, uh, Judith Miller seems to have parroted the uh, Scooter Libby line about the weapons of mass destruction, among other things. Hook, line, and sinker on that one. And, uh, well, we'll see what happens regarding her future. But I think she's going to be working the book circuit <laughs> in the near future. Soon enough. Yeah. Um, I guess, uh, you know, this is a pretty interesting story out of Washington today, the uh, appointment the appointment of Ben uh, Branicky uh, to mm. replace uh, Alan Greenspan, uh, who's, uh, gee, been at the... The Fed for quite some time. Indeed. How many years? I believe 18. He was... Wow. Fortunately, he actually was in place uh, when the stock market crashed in 1987. Mm. And uh, while Greenspan, I would say, has had his ups and downs in general, he's uh, a very knowledgeable uh, person on economics. Uh, You can disagree or uh pick some examples of where he's gone a little bit overboard uh, regarding his role as chairman of the Fed. Um, I don't know why on earth he ever endorsed uh, Bush's tax cuts, for instance, in testimony before Congress. But this is an academic, intellectual type and is actually, objectively speaking, maybe the best person that Bush has appointed hmm. uh, in his presidency. And it's interesting. Damning with faint praise, perhaps, but uh, yeah, an accurate assessment. But uh, he's at least uh, he, he's currently the uh, chairman of Bush's economic advisors, and luckily has not been tainted with uh, mm. Bush's uh, disastrous fiscal policies of the first term. I think he's only been in that job for a year, and he has plenty of experience. And rather than talk anything about him, I wanted to talk a little bit about inflation because this, of course, is the the big new uh, hot economic subject uh, in business sections of newspapers and in the uh, business media, so to speak. And a very timely, <laughs> amazing article in uh, yesterday's New York Times by Daniel Gross, a regular columnist uh, for uh, Slate, who appears in the New York Times frequently, entitled, If You Don't Eat or Drive, Inflation's No Problem. <laughs> And this is basically an article about the issue of the so-called core rate of inflation uh, versus the CPI, the so-called published rate of inflation. The core rate of inflation takes energy and food out of the equation. And it's based on a theory that, interestingly, um, was developed by Arthur Burns back in the uh, mid-early 70s when the Arab oil embargo started as a result of America's uh, uh, tangential involvement in the Yom Kippur War. We didn't actually drop any bombs, but we did give Israel plenty of intelligence uh, indicating that a invasion was imminent, and the king of Saudi Arabia slapped an embargo on the United States. And the American economy has never been the same. Um, and this is an example, by the way, of uh, America's... Uh, the connection between foreign policy and uh, what ails our economy. But this is a a very interesting article about these two different rates, and you can see how volatile inflation has been uh, in recent months. And interestingly, by the way, since Bush has taken office, it's uh, gone up considerably. 
Um, and indeed, last month, the Bureau of Labor Statistics noted that the CPI, the main inflation guide, rose by a whopping 1.2% in September and by 4.7% uh, in the last 12 months. So if you have a 1.2% jump in one month, you'd obviously have an inflation uh, in the double digits, 14 15%. And this is, of course, the main focus of the Federal Reserve. Uh, they have, uh, in the past uh, year, really, been uh, suggesting guidance which would indicate that interest rates are going to continue to rise and that they've been raising rates by these little quarter percents uh, virtually every time they've met. And one would expect that um, this will continue under uh, Brannicky. Um I've always been rather interested in inflation as a sort of phony economic number that the government produces. Uh, the CPI, of course, is a arbitrary basket of goods that the uh, government selects uh, in terms of measuring inflation. And I have always believed that inflation uh, really differs from consumer to consumer. And it's very hard to accept the fact that inflation is, quote, there's no problem with inflation, because you hear a lot of cheerleaders, uh, particularly Bush supporters, in the media t telling the American public that there's very low inflation based on these statistics. And then you see data that shows that, you know, energy costs under Bush, uh, natural gas prices have tripled, uh, gasoline prices have doubled. Uh, you know, we're talking about 200% here. Uh, Health care costs go up uh, virtually every year by 10%. Mm -hmm. Education costs go way, way up. And this arbitrary basket of goods is where I have problems with the uh, inflation rate. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, many consumer items, for instance, electronics products and clothing, has indeed remained very flat, indicating that there's, quote, no inflation in the economy. But if you're the type of consumer that I am and you don't purchase these things, that's irrelevant. Um, I saw some statistics from the Harper's Index once that the average um, white person in America spends about $1,100 a year on clothing, and the average African-American spends uh, $2,200, almost twice that. Well, there's no inflation in the area of clothing because we're buying all of our clothing. Uh, we're, we're importing it from China and uh, Central America and Pakistan, Bangladesh, etc. And obviously, uh, dirt wages are being paid to produce this clothing. And if you go out and, say, buy Nikes for 65 bucks, uh, the worker in Indonesia is making 40 cents an hour and Michael Jordan and the CEO of Nike are making substantial uh, amounts of money. And many of the costs involved in producing clothing, for instance, are all in the marketing, all in the advertising, and all in the uh, CEO salaries. So I would argue that inflation is, is based on what, you, you know, if you go home and you analyze yearly, uh, and most consumers should do this to determine where they're spending their money, you know, I care more about the price of bok choy than I do a pound of flour. Uh, a pound of flour is sort of irrelevant. I use less than five pounds of flour a year. Occasionally I'll make some dumplings or biscuits, throw them in a stew or whatever, but I'm not a big user of white flour, for instance. Another example is white sugar. I don't care what the price of white sugar is. 
uh, because I don't even use a pound of it a year. You know, I'll throw it in a recipe here and there. I, of course, care about the price of broccoli, tomatoes, uh, and, of course, magazine subscriptions and or books. Right. So inflation is very interesting in terms of how the media spins and distorts this data uh, to convince uh, the American consumers that uh, inflation is low. Now, there are some economists, for instance, just quoting from this article, um, economists also, and I'm quoting from Daniel Gross here, economists also say the utility of the inflation measures de- uh, depends on the question you are trying to answer, quote, if you want to know how much more it costs to live this year than last year, look at the headline CPI, said Ann L. Owen, associate professor of economics at Hamilton College in Clinton, New York, and a former economist at the Federal Reserve. And from a consumer's perspective, there's nothing good about a 4.7% increase in inflation over the last 12 months. And, of course, the real reason that that's important is that there's more and more data showing uh, since Bush has become president that the median income in America has stagnated and declined, actually. So if you do have these increases of inflation just from the CPI, which I argue understates inflation Mm -hmm. dramatically um, because of this arbitrary basket of goods that they're measuring that no consumer actually consumes – um, so uh, watch the CPI uh, rate and pay attention to um, the, the policies of Ben Branicky. Um Of course, he is definitely a Bush man, so to speak. But as Bush men go, uh, he's not in the Bush leagues like so many of the other appointees. And indeed, as we come into the uh, winter heating season, uh, oil prices are going to remain problematic. Uh, article on the Wall Street Journal uh, over the weekend about uh, the head of the International Energy Agency uh, warning that the oil supply could tighten up again uh, because of storm damage and uh, that the uh, attempts to quickly release more oil into the uh, system from the strategic reserves and uh, U.S. relaxing environmental uh, policies and transport rules uh, to allow more oil in isn't necessarily going to do anything to help your uh, winter heating costs um, because those are all petrol-related processing factors there. And we're lucky, by the way, uh, living in Michigan, that we still have a relatively strong regulatory situation mm. here regarding gas prices. Mishcon and Consumers Power have to go before a so-called Public Utilities Commission. Uh, interestingly, Granholm has been out in front on this. And she's not going to allow Mishcon and uh, Consumers Power, the two main uh, uh, energy natural gas suppliers here in the state of Michigan, to just triple prices. These tripling of prices that we've hear we've heard in the media is a little bit uh, scary in the sense that uh, the, the number is wrong. Basically, since last year, it would have been a doubling. But in any case, uh, we're lucky because many states have deregulated. Completely, and they are at the mercy of the utility companies' uh, desires for net profit. Uh, of course, utility companies argue that they need high profits because they have to uh, maintain infrastructure, etc. Um, a perfectly valid argument. But when you see that much of the 
uh, price uh, manipulation that's occurring because of hedge funds. This is one area where Greenspan has made a couple of vague comments about the uh, danger of hedge, fund, hedge funds in the international economy. Um, I've read that every day $22 trillion of uh, market speculation is involved in many of these funds. And frankly, a lot of the prices are getting jacked up, not because of, quote, uh, necessary supply problems. Uh, and interestingly, by the way, the Michigan utilities apparently uh, had bought considerable supplies before the hurricanes. But it's actually manipulation by capitalists in uh, world uh, markets that are manipulating these prices based on their speculation. Right, trading f energy futures. And their needs to make money. <laughs> so it's a very scary situation because the hedge funds are literally unregulated at this point and actually provide a very dangerous uh, situation for the global economy uh, regarding uh, economic stability, not only with respect to commodity prices, but... Uh, um, money supply and, and other uh, things. So, well, One can only hope that uh, once the indictments get handed down any day now, I guess, in the uh, so-called CIA leak case, that we can get a little bit more uh, investigative pressure in the early, in the first term uh, meetings, uh, secret meetings between Dick Cheney and uh, heads of uh, energy corporations. Um, minutes of those meetings were, were deemed secret. Dick Cheney claimed executive privilege. And uh, so far, that's been uh, standing up. Seems fairly ridiculous, though, that that uh, claim can be posited when uh, California at the time suffered a series of rolling blackouts and all sorts of energy shortages. In fact, we had uh, a couple of years ago, the uh, summer of 2003, that bizarre uh, energy infrastructure crash when the entire eastern seaboard went out. Um, no safeguards and check, uh, check in place for that. Dude, it's the fact that some guy in Ohio was trying to borrow power from Toronto or something. Right. It was this amazing. Byzantine system of uh, overlapping uh, connectors that really seemed pretty unstable. And of course, it was a it was a hot day that day, and I remember it sure vividly enough. because I was on my way to see Iggy. Iggy and the Stooges That's, were supposed to be that I, night. I, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, Disappointing afternoon there. <laughs> yeah, and <clears throat> as for Carl Rove, we'll give him a brain damage award. He, of course. Uh, sort of gloatingly uh, ran around Washington for a good uh, number of months claiming I was a source, not a target. I am a source, not a target. Uh, well, dude, uh, you may be both. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, part of me is satisfied to see uh, Carl Rove uh, under such pressure. It is kind of uh, ridiculous that we're, we're living this sort of fiction that uh, Carl Rove and Scooter are responsible uh, for this when you, you you know that there's no way they would have said or done what they've been accused of without uh, direct support, if not instigation, from the people that they advise. Well, namely and, the president and the vice president. Yeah, and and um, it, it, you know this is it, as close to them as you can get, I suppose. Yeah, and that's why I mentioned that Watergate too may be be upon us because uh, you'll recall that when. In 1973, when Nixon um, fired John Dean and allowed Ehrlichman and Haldeman to resign, uh, that you could see at that point that Nixon was pretty much finished. Uh, it was only a matter of time. The grip was just going to mm -hmm. keep tightening, 
And um, the question is, you know, who's going to fall on the sword to protect these people? As for the president, uh, his record is clear. He blatantly lied repeatedly to the American people about all sorts of things regarding the Iraq war. Um, and more and more information is coming out about that related to this uh, so-called leak investigation. Right. So it would be very interesting to see where this uh, goes and uh, how many heads are... Uh, put on a platter right i'm actually starting to get the sense that you know we've been wondering for a while down here now that uh the bush administration kept fobbing off blame on the intelligence agencies and while i've never been one and i don't think anybody on this program has ever defended the cia um it's pretty remarkable how the bush administration has consistently been able to fob off blame on Oh, faulty intelligence and so forth. And now we see a series of articles coming out in the last couple of weeks, and this whole leak case is just part of it, where you're starting to wonder if maybe some folks in the intelligence community, as it's called in the uh, media, are starting to get a little payback yeah, and throw a couple of dirty diapers um, at the feet of these guys who've been lying their way through, you know, five years of uh, office holding and uh, blaming everybody else as they go. Um, we get an article over the weekend that suggests that uh, Iraq's top terrorist is growing stronger, according to U.S. intelligence officials. Um, Al Zakawi's network is now uh, much more dangerous than uh, Osama's. Quote, he is very much a daily operational threat. Well, this war was supposed to make the world safer and Iraq uh, safer and us safer and now that. Um, we've got this article also over the weekend. White House's list of foiled terror plots puzzles the experts. Yes. A series of uh, strange omissions, some uh, things which were pretty much exaggerated. Um, well, just a couple of weeks ago, Bush claimed that they had disrupted 10 plots, and people in the intelligence agency said, well, maybe three, but uh, other than that, uh, we don't know. Frontline, by the way, a couple of weeks ago had an interesting example of uh, how Colin Powell uh, used a terrorist, quote-unquote, as a source to condemn Iraq. This was a terrorist, by the way, that had been... Um, dispatched uh, via our intelligence agencies to Egypt to be tortured. And, of course, it turns out in the uh, dirty laundry of the soiled linen, as you, as you just uh, used as a metaphor, uh, the, the guy now admits that he made it all up to stop the torture. Well, this, of course, is America's continuing problem with the war on terror globally, is that you have... Um, you know, these Abu Ghraib, these these mm -hmm. renditions in which we dispatch uh, so-called terrorist suspects to countries where they can be tortured. And then the information is then bogusly used in a presentation before the U.N. by the Secretary of State to condemn Iraq. Well, this is all uh, exceedingly um, unbelievable at the end of the day. It just shows how sketchy the sources are. And, of course, there are uh, people in the CIA that warned the White House repeatedly um, before the war about the consequences of going to war. Sure. And uh, this intelligence has been ignored. This phrase, intelligence failure, um, only applies to President Bush and Dick Cheney. That's where the intelligence failure was, their intelligence. Right. There Not the intelligence that was gathered by our, quote, intelligence agencies, 
but their understanding of the consequences of what they were going to do. And then, of course, you know, we've got more interesting stuff. Uh, here we have a report from the uh, GAO, which is an investigative arm of the uh, government, regarding uh, the lack of equipment slowed guards' re response to Hurricane Tr Katrina. They note that guard units in the United States have, on average, only 34% of their authorized equipment and are especially short of trucks, helicopters, night vision goggles, radios, and other communications equipment. And uh, 64,000 pieces of this equipment was left in Iraq for other units when the guard was rotated back. 101,000 pieces have been transferred to deploying troops to ensure that they are fully equipped. Uh, Lieutenant General David Melcher says that the Army is now planning to spend $21 billion over the next six years to re-equip re and modernize the guard. So Bush's claims that the war in Iraq did not impair our ability to respond to Hurricane Katrina has now been proven uh, false. Well, and more information, too, on the claim that uh, <clears throat> the cheerfully optimistic uh, claim, I suppose, that the U.S. will be able to begin withdrawal in 2006 appears to be another uh, false prediction. Um, over the weekend, a top military commander... Uh, has said that it would, this is Major General William Webster, that it's going to take uh, 18 months to two years before there are enough Iraqi uh, military units in place uh, to operate completely on their own. Um, there certainly can't be any substantial U.S. troop reductions before that time, according to the uh, administration's own viewpoint. Um, the article by Kirk Semple goes on to say that... Uh, some military experts have said that even two years is not enough time for Iraqis to pull together a complex system to maintain logistics in the field. <laughs> of course not, because this country is in the you know nascent stages of civil war. And uh, the fact that the U.S. disbanded the uh, Iraqi army, what remained of it, the fact that the munition stockpiles were unguarded, boggle the mind. Well, and, and it's interesting because Condoleezza Rice, uh, another person who <laughs> really should be the target of an inquiry uh, rather than uh, praised in the media as some sort of potential presidential nominee, um, you know, had pretty amazing uh, testimony before the Senate Foreign Relations Committee last week when asked if we would still be uh, in Iraq in 10 years by Paul Sarbanes. Um, she made some muddled statement that she can't commit to uh, such a theoretical uh, question, which is uh, not very theoretical. It's actually a fairly, are we still going to be there in 10 years kind of question. Um, no answer. Instead, muddle and uh, nonsense, uh, which, of course, has been her stock and in, 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 in trade throughout this whole uh, administration. Well, she's now comparing over the weekend, she was quoted as comparing the... Uh Attempts to bring democracy to uh, Iraq to the civil rights movement right here in the USA. And uh, that's a pretty bizarre assertion to make, especially when you consider, as you know, you've pointed out before on the program, that uh, her political party, the Republicans, still benefit rather heftily from the blowback uh, that President Johnson knew because of him as a Democrat pushing through civil rights uh, legislation in the wake of the Kennedy murder. Uh, would cost the Democrats the South for, I believe he said, a generation. Yeah, the Republicans. Forty are, years. <laughs> yeah, the Republicans are still benefiting from that, you know, psychological blowback of the racist Southern vote. 
Um, and speaking of blowback, here's another uh, <laughs> fond friend of ours in the news yet again. Uh, the Chilean Supreme Court has stripped Augusto Pinochet of his immunity from prosecution in connection with the uh, $27 million that he and his wife and children are said to have illegally obtained and deposited in overseas accounts. As a result, the 89-year-old former dictator can now be charged with tax fraud, perjury, and use of falsified documents. And the prosecutors have said they plan to do so. This by uh, Larry Rothiter on the Wire reports uh, dated 1020 of uh, this this past uh, week. Um, gee, uh, tax fraud, perjury, and the use of falsified documents. That sounds a little bit like the Iraq War. <laughs> Um, of course, the $27 million is probably uh, doing quite well uh, in those Swiss bank accounts. Doubtless. Well, we're just about uh, out of time here today. Uh, we've got a few minutes left, though. Um, we'll have to talk a little bit about Syria in the future. Still a little uh, un- uncertain what's uh, going to happen there, which shoe might drop next. Um, of course, a defense lawyer has been murdered in uh, a co-defendant uh, with Saddam Hussein. Rendering that trial quite interesting. I don't know if I want to give this brain damage award to Karen Hughes or to Bush for sending a, a woman out to do what he won't do, mm-hmm. namely face a, a disapproving crowd. Um, on the one hand, yeah, she's an idiot because she misstates Saddam. Uh, she says that he uh, gassed hundreds of thousands of his own people. Well, in fact, Saddam, of course, as it cannot be said enough, is a truly evil bastard who killed many of his own people. But what Karen Hughes neglects to include, which they always do, is that he was on full U.S. support at that time. We upped the uh, supplies that were being sent to him. The poison gas came from us. Not from us, but from those in the U.S. who sell to him, of course. And so, Karen Hughes, she's got to be hating that job. She's probably got her eye on Rove's job. Yeah, and she may uh, indeed uh, take over for Karl Rove uh, as he is uh, booked, uh, a la Tom DeLay. And, of course, uh, a new information about uh, Senator Bill Frist Frist. that we won't get into, but we'll mention it next week. Uh, Given that it's Halloween, I figured I'd, or coming up, that I'd mention this bizarre item from Florida. 